So our goal was to build a business that could support our income while we were church planters. And God's goal was that we would build a business that would explode our income so that we could support global evangelism around the world. Our business really belongs to God and it is a ministry. Like every person that comes in the door of our business is a ministry opportunity to love on them, share Jesus with them, encourage them and help them build lasting wealth through their families. Do you want God's plan for your life? Do you want to discover your calling? Do you want to build a business that's aligned with God's will? Hey girl, hey, I'm Jeanette, business and faith coach. After a decade in the military, the Air Force said, see you later, and I had to find my true calling. Want to know how God directed my life from a cybersecurity engineer to a faith and business mentor? In this podcast, I'll teach you how to start a business, how to know your business is God's calling, monetization techniques, how to trust the Holy Spirit, and how to set boundaries to listen to his word alone. Ready to become unapologetically unstoppable? Hey girl, hey, thank you so much for being here today. We have Rachel on and Rachel is a powerhouse. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Rachel is an author, licensed pastor, and co-owner of a real estate empire. Rachel and her husband, Grant, managed three real estate companies under the Wartman Incorporated brand, including Chamberlain Realty. The real estate brokerage is the second largest in Oklahoma City, with more than 340 realtors and amassing $2 billion in revenue in the last six years. Rachel is also an entrepreneurship coach, helping her clients hit six and multi-six figure incomes. Welcome, Rachel. I'm so glad to have you on the podcast. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. So Rachel, tell us a little bit about you and how you came to be not only like an empire builder, but like, how did you become an empire builder for God? Like, that's a whole nother thing. Yes. So I actually have wanted to be in ministry my whole life. I grew up in a very influential family and I just really felt in the midst of all this opportunity that I had that I wanted to serve the church. And so I got involved in a local church where I went to college and just kind of began my career into ministry. And in the midst of that, my husband just started really getting involved in business. He has a very entrepreneurship call on him as well. And so we would do ministry and supplement our income with side businesses. He was a home inspector, things like that. And then in 2013, we moved to Oklahoma City to plant a church that God had called us to plant and be the senior pastors of that church. And so we were going about our business. We were about a year and a half in. We had somewhere around 40 to 50 people in the church. And we were at the point where you could begin to take a salary out of the budget. And so I was excited because I was like, this is great. We're going to you know, finally get paid and, and not have to do all the side things. And my husband had a really incredible moment with God where God basically shared with him, what if you didn't ever take a salary from the church? What if I paid you through a business and we use that money to support advancing the kingdom and evangelism and things like that? And I'm not saying other people need to do that. That's just the calling that God put on our heart. So we said yes and got into real estate. And what happened next was just incredible. So our goal was to build a business that could support our income while we were church planters. And God's goal was that we would build a business that would explode our income so that we could support global evangelism around the world and eventually transition out of doing the frontline ministry. So it was not the path I thought we were getting into. 
but we absolutely love it. And what we, where we found ourselves is in a place where our business really belongs to God and it is a ministry. Like every person that comes in the door of our business is a ministry opportunity to love on them, share Jesus with them, encourage them and help them build lasting wealth through their families. So we kind of fell into it accidentally, but it was really ultimately, I think the call of God on our life. I love that because a lot of people think that serving God is only one faceted. You can only serve God if you're in the church doing something directly for a church. And that's not always true. You're doing it on a global scale through all of the things you're doing, which I am obsessed with because I thought I, when I left the military, I was like, I'm going to work for God. And so I, we went with a pl church plant and I was doing the social media and just never worked out correctly. And I was like, God, I'm trying to do what you're telling me to do. Like, I want this to be for you. And then God was like, no, 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 you, I have a different plan for you. Just listen. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and God is where the people are. Right. And so there's people all over the place in all these different sectors of society. And I believe he needs strong faith-filled believers in all of those different arenas so that the people who are in those places can get to meet him. So, you know, whether that's in, I mean, I loved my calling as a church vocational person. I miss it sometimes. It's an incredible way to serve the Lord, but we can also serve the Lord just as much through our nine to five job, through our side hustle, through what we're doing in our home as a mother or father. Like there's so many opportunities. Yes. Amen. So you said that your husband first started the business. What made you like stop full-time ministry and join him in business? What was that like? So we had, yeah, we had watched the business become something that defied all of our expectations. I mean, honestly, we were looking to supplement a $60,000 a year income and very quickly found ourselves in a significant income watching God build this, you know, incredible, we've seen $2 billion of, of home sales in the last six years. So for us, it was watching God bless the business and the opportunities to minister to people within our own organization. And then in the meantime, as a pastor, I had become the senior pastor. My husband was doing full-time business stuff by the end of our time in, in full-time ministry. And, you know, I really felt like God, I just, I felt called to walk away from the four walls of the church and fully devote our time in the business realm. A friend of mine had given me a prophetic word about a year before that happened. And she said, I, I don't know what this means. I just see God calling you into business. And I just laughed. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> and then 12 months later, I'm having these encounters with God where he was really showing me you know, what you're doing here is amazing. It's brought you to this point, but what I've called you to do this higher place of calling for you is actually not trying to get people into the walls of your church, but getting the church into them wherever they are. So it's a, it's a harder calling. I think in a lot of ways, it takes a lot more discipline. It takes a lot more personal drive. It takes a lot more like being devoted to Jesus in the secret place. Cause I'm busier than I was when all of my time went to prepping sermons and worship and, you know, ministering to people. But that's kind of how it happened for me. It was a very genuine, in the same way he called me into ministry, he called me out of it. I think that that is so interesting. And I love that, that you said, I'm not trying to bring people into the building. I'm bringing the building into them. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yes. And it's cool because the people I've had a chance to interact with and minister to never would have come into our church. It just, it just, to, you know, logistically would not have allowed them to do that. So it's been really gratifying to get to see the same amount of impact I was having as a pastor, but in a completely different way. 
I love that. That's why I love the internet. <laughs> like some people are like, the internet's so evil. That's why I love the internet because yeah. it's just a tool and I'm going to use it for God's glory as much as I can, as deeply as I can. And I think that that's part of what you're doing also. So you have your business that is teaching is it just women that you teach for in, in entrepreneurship or is it just men and women? Or? It's men and women. Yeah. Okay. So you're, you're an entrepreneurship coach. You're a faith coach. You write books. How many books do you have now? I just, my newest one is my third book. So I've written three. I, yeah. I read your book and I, I like me and my husband love audiobooks. And I've been audiobooking it to him. Like I was really like reading it to him. <laughs> so like, this That's is awesome. so good. You have to like, you have to listen to this. And like the way that you explain the expansion mandate and how it like goes through people's lives. And I've seen it like even in like mega pastors, I can see how they've got, they've got it. And then they stop using God as God and start thinking of themselves as God. And they, they fall and I see it happen. And it is a battle. Like, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna share the entire book, but this book walks you through exactly what I've seen in lots of lives. This is not just like like you say in the book. This is this is a pattern that you've seen that God gave to you to share, and it is an amazing pattern that is true. Like I have only seen this pattern repeated, and yeah, I'm here for it. Thank you. That means a lot. I I love this book, honestly, because it felt like God speaking something to me to share with other people. But when we go through the book and look at these four battles that every believer really has to win to fulfill their promise, and we begin to realize we're all on this exact same journey, it just looks different depending on the calling that we're pursuing. But we all go through that battle. The first one is the battle for the promise where we are convincing ourselves we're coming into agreement with God that we do have a calling on our life that we do have a promise from the Lord that there is something great for us to contribute to the world and then we kind of emerge from that battle and go into that second battle to the promise where we start losing all of ourselves right and we start becoming more like Jesus and it's that wilderness season that is so difficult but no one is exempt from and when we come out of that wilderness season i i think the hidden battle in this book is that third one the battle at the promise where we are literally crossing over into the promised land that God has called us to. And it is so challenging and it is like all hell comes at you. And it's, it's so intense. It's very short lived, but it's so intense. I'll tell you for us in our latest round through these battles in the same week, every single person on our staff had had a cataclysmic health emergency, not them, but somebody in their family. So one of our admins, her father-in-law had a very serious stroke and almost died. Another one of our admins, her sister developed a very rare cancer all at the same time. There was another guy on our team. His son had, what was it called? Spinal or brain meningitis, where meningitis is in your brain and was in a coma and almost died. It was in the same week. And my husband and I are looking at each other going, this is crazy. And I'm not trying to say that all of them were you know, subject to what God was doing in us. That's not what I'm saying. It's just the way the enemy brought all that together at the exact same time as we were crossing into this new part of our promise. It was like, this is wild. And thankfully, by the grace of God, every single one of those people is alive. They're doing well. They're recovering. They're making the one that has cancer. She's making it through. And it's it's a miracle. But he was carrying us through as we get into that fourth battle, which is the battle in the promise where we establish ourselves as a promised person. And I think to me, 
that's the goal we're all shooting for, right? Like we're trying to get to that place where we're in the promise God has called us to, and then we can stay in that promise, which is exactly what you were just saying. Like we, we get to actually carry it out all the days of our life. That's what I, I, oh my gosh. Like, I just feel like there have been so many times where I've been battling and I feel like, all right, God, am I in it yet? Am I in the promised land yet? <laughs> it's like, you're almost there. You're almost there. <laughs> there's a couple of things that you wrote in the book and the battle for the promise and I had never realized this before and you were talking about how God and Abraham made a covenant and the way that they did covenants back then was basically like a blood oath and he put Abraham to sleep so that way he put all the onus on himself as God and said no I will take the promise I will keep the promise and you don't have to die if you don't keep the promise to me, like completely yeah. giving that salvation and that grace. And I was just like, at, in awe, I was just like, wow, like he's going to do it all. Like what mm -hmm. more could you ask for of a good father? You know what I'm saying? It's like almost making me very emotional right now. Like just thinking of like, even before Jesus, he was like, don't worry about it. I got you. Yes. Yes. It's so powerful. I also love how like that, that ritual ceremony that is demonstrated out in Genesis where they cut the animals in half and they walk through when my husband was demo reading the book, he's like, I've never heard this before. And I was like, what do you mean you've never heard this before? Cause I've heard it from so many different places. And he was like, go find the source. Cause I've never heard this. I had to go dig and dig and dig to figure out where I heard it from. And it's actually the ancient historical records of surrounding communities. So it doesn't come from, it comes from, I think like either ancient Babylon or Mesopotamia, somewhere in there. It's been a while since I looked up the exact details of it, but it comes from their historical records of how they did treaties. But then we find Abraham doing that exact same thing in the Bible, and it's almost an exact same ritual. So it's really interesting how God wove together just what was cultural in their time and what made sense as a covenant to Abraham. And God was like, okay, we can do this. But then he doesn't do that ever again in the Bible. He doesn't make people cut up animals, you know, because it was very symbolic to Abraham and what he would have understood as an oath and a covenant in that time period. I think that's so powerful. I was, I was watching somebody's sermon. I don't remember who it was, but they were talking about how the context is so important when you're talking about God and like the things that he's doing. It's not always because it would make sense to us. It's because that's how life and culture was. So we try to take them where they are at and show yeah. them what could be with him. It's not just like a like a one-off, you know what I mean? Totally. There's another thing that I wanted to bring up. It was the battle in the promise. And I, I underline this, that the battle can look like sudden feelings of unworthiness or imposter syndrome. I am a person that I don't want to say suffers from, but is sometimes affected by depression. And so when those bouts hit, I know that it is not from God, but I do feel those feelings and I'm like, God, I need you to, like, I just start praying. This was not always the case, right? I was not always the person that prayed first. I was always the last resort kind of prayer, but now I'm the first, the first response mm -hmm. prayer. And like knowing that we're in the promise, we're almost there, we're getting there. And there's a reason why our attack is coming like this and making us feel like we are unworthy. And like, I know people have always heard that God does not call the ready. He calls, he calls the people who are going to pick up and are going to be worthy through his eyes, not because you know all the things or have all the things. He's calling you because you are the one that's going to bring forth whatever his mission is 
in your life, right? And so I I just want to really like key in on that because that's very important, especially as entrepreneurs, that we always think that that we're not good enough or we shouldn't be doing this or she's doing it like this or I should be doing it like that. And that's not true. That is not how God works. We are uniquely made and that's why we should do whatever God calls us to, how he calls us to in entrepreneurship and seek him first. Not like everybody needs a coach, right? But like, don't seek your coach first Yeah. <laughs> or do it in the lens of, but ask God if that's for you. You know what I mean? I think that is incredibly powerful. And I think pointing out that for all of us in our journey of occupying that promise, we are all still dealing with our human, our humanity. You know, we're all still dealing with real life situations. And it makes me think of Moses having this anger problem, but he was like fulfilling his calling in the midst of still being human. He was having these incredible encounters with God in the midst of still having these like you know, rage moments or Joshua. And I mean, Joshua at the end of his life, you know, a whole generation missed it. A whole generation didn't know the Lord because it's some, somehow we don't know how, but for some reason, Joshua in his prime missed a huge component of what matters to God. So I think it is interesting when we really demystify what it looks like to be walking in our promise and we simplify it and we become vulnerable in it because that invites other people to keep fighting. Like when we think that we're only going to arrive once we never have a bad day. We, I mean, literally last night I was like downward spiraling in my brain. And I was like, my husband was at a Christmas party and all my other kids were asleep. And I was just sitting there thinking, I really need somebody to just catch the, like help me, you know, so I can confess my thoughts. So as soon as he got home, I was like, I need help. My brain is going down this, you know, whole left-hand turn of, of, of kind of, dumb thoughts, right? Like despair or whatever, hopelessness. And I'm going, I have so much to be hopeful for, but we do, we have, we fall. I want to say pray. It is partly the enemy, but it is partly just life. Like we have these moments where our humanity rises up and what we do with it is so important. So I love that you said like becoming the person who prays first and turns to the Lord first, instead of turning to you know, some other stress relief tactic with eating or whatever. It's like, no, we're going to turn to Jesus and we're going to give him an opportunity to meet our soul because nobody is killing it, occupying their promise, living out their calling and having perfect days every day. That's not realistic. It's just not a thing. I just got out of the study of Elijah and like, he was literally on top of Mount Carmel, like, like punking the other team basically. And then after that, he was like, God, please kill me. Like, please take my yeah. life. Like right after that, like, like, it's so like, like seeing his humanity reminds me of, I can still have the faith of Elijah knowing that God's got me and then still have bad days where I just need to take a nap and have a snack. You know what I mean? So good. Yes. A hundred percent. Yep. There is one more part that I wanted to talk about in the book. It's stay battle ready. And as a veteran, I, I feel like in the military, you're always like battle ready. You like, you train how you fight. That's it's like a phrase that we use. And we're always like doing PT and doing all the things. And I never thought to bring it to my spiritual life in that way. Mm -hmm. Like I always like compartmentalize, like the military time was this, and none of that can ever affect anything else in my life, which is obviously not true. But you talked about fighting from rest. And then also knowing how to enter the rest of God just as much as remembering how to swing the sword of truth, like twofold, like resting in God, knowing that he's got you, but also 
if God says, get up and start swinging, we're ready and we're not untrained. Yes. And it is, there's an art to that, right? Like there's an art to that balance where we can easily go to sleep at night because we're not so hypervigilant that we're wondering what's what next threat is coming at us, but also able to jump up and defend like when, you know, when we need to. For me, I went through a really interesting time period of about 10 years. I almost died three times. I had all of just this crazy like stuff coming against me. I mean, they were like freak illnesses that came out of nowhere. And and in the midst of that, we were experiencing a lot of spiritual warfare, just in the normal kind of spiritual warfare in life. And I remember like coming to the end of that and I had some PTSD. I had some foreboding t- type of like feelings of, okay, you know, I start feeling a little bit sick. And the next thing I know, I'm like, is this it? Am I going to be, you know, back in the hospital for two weeks or whatever? And it, it really, it was fascinating to hear God explain to me how to live in that balance of recognizing what it is that's coming at me. But the thing is, we can't be in that balance without him, right? It is about connection and abiding and trust and trusting that when we allow our guard down, that he is going to protect us. So I had this crazy situation. I taught a class on spiritual warfare to my church. And on my way home, I started having trouble breathing and I was having pain in my shoulder. And I was like, am I having a heart attack? I was, I think 35. So I'm like, you know, this, I don't have any heart issues in my family history, but I'm going, I don't know what's happening. I am really hurting. And I got about five, I, I lived five minutes from the church. I got home and I laid down and I, which apparently I found out later, you should never do in that situation. And I couldn't get back up. I was like in so much pain. And so my mom is a nurse or she, she's retired now, but she was a nurse. And I just called her because I was like, what's the symptoms of a heart attack? You know, what, like, tell me what's going on. And she said, I'm going to FaceTime you. And she just diagnosed me over FaceTime with mother's intuition as well. And she said, you're having a pulmonary embolism. You literally need to get into the car right now and go to the hospital. And I'm like, oh, I'm fine. You know, I don't want to do that. Like, you know, just that just felt so dramatic to me. And she goes, I'm telling you, she was a pulmonary nurse. She goes, I'm telling you, all the signs are there. Get your behind in the car. So I'm calling you back in five minutes. If you're not any better, you know, you're going. So on the way to the hospital, at this point, I was hyperventilating because I couldn't breathe because it was so painful. It was like, I felt like there was knives in me. So I was having trouble just taking a deep breath. And as I'm driving, my husband's driving me to the hospital, I could hear the Holy Spirit laughing. And I was like, God, this is not a joke. You know, yeah. like this isn't the right, the right time to crack a joke. And he said, no, I just can't help it. He said, it's just so comical how the enemy thinks he can get to you like this. Mm. And there was this moment in that of me going, okay, so even though I'm experiencing this tremendous pain, you're not only in it with me, but you're delivering me out of it and you're protecting me. So for me, what ended up happening, I had double-sided pulmonary embolisms. The the tech who was looking at my x-ray was trying to count them. And he said, I've gotten to a hundred. I'm not going to keep counting micro blood clots throughout my lungs. Oh, it came out of nowhere. It was, it was a freak medical thing. Like it was just wild. And so I was in the hospital for five days. It was a crazy experience. But at the heels of it, I came out of that feeling invincible. And I know that sounds so counterintuitive, but I'm like, this was the second time at that point that something had come against me so so dramatically. And I just thought, man, if the Lord wanted me gone, he's had all these opportunities. And yet not only did he protect me, he covered me, he advanced me, he did all these things. I can truly rest in him and know that no matter what's coming against me, he will he will be there to help me pick up my sword, you know, and I can sleep good. I can rest in him. 
But that, I mean, and that was like, I worked for that. I want to just be really clear because I think sometimes hearing that story, it's like, oh, must be nice for you. I mean, I worked for that. I renewed my mind. I meditated on the word. I prayed regularly. You know, I built myself into that. But it's been an incredible testimony in my life ever since. I love that story because it proves not that God is not real, but like it proves that God is not going to leave you or forsake you no matter what. And if he's got a call on your life, you have an appointment and he's not going to cancel that for anybody. Yeah. Period. So good. So good. Okay. You took a quiz and you got a spiritual gift. And that gift was the gift of prophecy. Were you surprised by that? I was not. No. (laughs) (laughs) So the gift of prophecy is not something that I actually don't have a lot of people get that gift. I have a lot of people get the gift of exhortation, which, which is encouragement and like renewing the faith of and through God, but prophecy, I've only had one other person get it. And she, I don't think she fully understood the gravity of what prophecy means in a biblical sense. Mm-hmm. We, we hear the word prophecy a lot. And you think of like, you know, prophets from the Bible or what that looks like. And it's not always, they t- take like a new agey look on it. And they think of like, oh, they're like a psychic. No, that's not what that means at all. It means like you see how to see truth and you see how to encourage people back to truth and call out sin that it is in a loving and encouraging way that God would want you to do and not being okay with sin at all. Like it's just not, not okay. It's not okay. (laughs) Yep. So how do you think that prophecy has worked in your life? Not only as a pastor, but as a, as a person that helps people in their business. Yeah. So for me, prophecy is, you know, we are uh, everybody. The Bible says everybody can prophesy. Everybody can hear God for somebody else. And Paul tells us that we should, that we should go after that and make that a normal part of our Christian life. And then those with the gift of prophecy, it's a little bit easier for them. It It is, they can do it more often, more frequently and, and more effortlessly than maybe those who are just going after trying to hear God for other people. So for me, I am one of the weird ones. I don't consider myself weird, but I am one of the unique ones because I'm I'm not just called prophetically, but I also have a prophet anointing part on that. I'm not saying I am a prophet, but there's it's more than just prophesying that God uses me to do. But for me, it is it is a the practice of paying attention to what God is doing at any given moment and leaning into what he is saying. So one of the big misconceptions is that people with the gift of prophecy can turn it on and off and just read everybody's mind. And, you know, like it's this gift that has no boundaries, but that's not true. We only can discern and hear what God is revealing. So I've been in rooms with other very prophetic people, and we will all be ministering over the same person and people are getting different pieces of information and that all fits together, but, but, you know, nobody is able to see like the whole thing over somebody's life. And it's a comforting gift because if it's used well, it actually builds so much confidence in the person that's being ministered to, to know that God, God knows you. He knows where you live. He knows things about you that are like amazing. And and I remember one time I got a prophetic word that was like a word of knowledge, you know, I forget what it was, but it was something about a detail like that. It was like, oh, you did this at this date. And I just thought that is just the coolest thing. Like we know God, we know God knows that. But when he goes to the links of putting it in somebody else's mouth to tell you, it just builds so much confidence. 
So for me, I use my prophetic gifting on a regular basis. I do it in three ways. Number one, I'm always looking at where is God? So I have a client right now who is looking to scale her business. She had a great year this year. She wants to double or triple next year. And so what I've been doing is I listen to her talk. And while I'm listening to her talk, I'm also listening to the Holy Spirit for these moments where he's amplifying something to me. It sounds kind of weird, but to me, that's how it feels. It's like something gets highlighted or amplified, or I can hear it a little bit more clearly. And then we go into that and we start unpacking what is it that God is saying to you about this one thing? So that's one of the ways that it happens. And also I'm hearing the Lord on a regular basis. So I, I, because I have this gifting, it's not abnormal for me to walk in a room and almost instantaneously understand the dynamics of that room. And like, if there's people there who have oppressive spirits on them, or if there's people there who have wrong motivations because prophecy and discernment are so closely linked but the cool thing about prophecy is so much of it is declaring something out of our mouth and we're declaring what God wants. So when I begin to see or feel, oh, something's going on here, then I can step into that gifting and I can shift the atmosphere more into alignment with what God is wanting to do. So I do that in my business all the time because I walk into the room, somebody's in the room that has the e an ego the size of Mars. They want everybody to praise them or whatever. And then I can discern that, feel that, and then step into the prophetic part and begin to declare something that brings everybody up as opposed to just this one person. Does that make sense? I don't know. I hope that that explains a little no, bit. No, I think it's really cool. I've actually been trying to hone my gift. Like you said, everybody's got the same gifts. And so like, that's one that I've been trying to hone. I've been reading a lot of books by Chris Valentin. I don't know if you know him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. So I've been reading a lot of his books and like learning more about the spiritual realm and how prophecy works and that is kind of amazing. Like, yeah, it is. I will say too, for anybody that's listening, that feels like they have this gift on them. People who are prophetic often feel really misunderstood and we can really feel prone to feeling like the odd one out or feeling, you know, abnormally weird or something like that. But the more that you learn to partner with the Lord and understand that it is a weighty gift, like some of the gifts don't have as much like consequence. I don't know. I can't think of the right word, but you know, there's weight on what we do and what we say when you're saying you're speaking for God, that's a heavy thing. That's something that should be tended to like very carefully, you know, and the way that we like, even for me, even if I know for a fact, it's God that's speaking, I'll still kind of cloud it and, you know, shroud it in some buffering statements because I don't ever want to, uh, it, when I do miss it, it's easier for that person to let it go than when I said hundred percent, God is going, you know, but it's really interesting to, to be that person and to feel that. So if there's anybody here that's listening to, to this and feels that type of calling on you, I just want you to know you're not alone. And the more that you can hone the gift, exactly like you were talking about, read other people's stories, learn what God is wanting to do with you with it, the easier it becomes to accept it and allow it to, to do what it, needs to do. And it is the cool, to me, it's the coolest gift. People tell me all the time, I wish I had stories like yours. I'm like, I don't know that you do because the <laughs> stories are amazing, but also the stuff you don't see is, you know, those moments where Elijah is like being fed by birds, you know, yeah. like nobody, nobody wants those kind of moments right? in their life, you know, <laughs> but they usually come hand in hand, not the birds part, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That story is crazy. That whole story is crazy. Like He's being fed by crows. Like crows are like the most disgusting yeah. birds, but you know. Totally. And the part to me about that story that's so wild is 
Then they just stop bringing him food and the river dries up. And he's like, okay, let's go somewhere else. It's like so <laughs> normal to him that God's just going to supernaturally bring him food. I don't know. I think that's amazing. I want faith like that. Like, all yes. right, God, it's dinner time. What you feeding me? <laughs> right. <laughs> I have got like a so- couple of like words that I like talk over myself. And one of those is I want faith like Elijah. Like I want that faith. I want to like believe every single day childlike Elijah faith. Amen. What is one thing on your journey? It sounds like you've had a long, long journey and you're still so young. What do you think has been on your journey that has made you unstoppable? Ooh, that's such a good question. Okay. For me, it's been getting around the right people and at different seasons of my life, I've had amazing community with people who saw me and valued me and supported me. And then other times where I have not had that. And the difference in my growth is it's, it's not comparable. You know, it's like you're growing at light speed and then you get around other people who just don't understand you. And I know there are seasons where God will put us in those places because isolation has two options, right? Isolation can either build our character or it can rob from us. And the enemy is always wanting to rob from us when we're in an isolation season, while God is always trying to reveal and build and do something internal in that place. So I know there's good things that come from that. But for me, getting around the people who said, I accept you as you are, I love this part of your gifting, I welcome it, you know, you're not too weird for me, whatever, it has allowed me to go, okay, I feel covered, I feel empowered. And now I can go out and learn how to interact with the world. Because every single one of us, regardless of what your gifting is, we have to learn how to use that gifting to build the kingdom instead of building ourselves, instead yes. of building something, you know, solely for financial gain, whatever. And but but we do that so much better and faster when we've got people around us who go, I'm championing what's on your life. I just want to help you shape the how of how that comes out. It's it's incomparable. I love that. Love that. What would you say is your favorite Bible verse? Okay. So this is a really hard question for me because I have a whole bunch. I will tell you the one that I, that changed my life the most. And I wrote about it actually in my first book, it's called you'll get out of it when you learn to love it. That was a piece of advice somebody gave to me and it changed my life. But in that book, I tell the story of the first time that I went through a very crazy medical crisis. I'm not going to get into that now, but God had told me to read Psalm 18. And in Psalm 18 is the story of David. He says, the cords of death have come upon me. And he's he's in distress. He's in life-threatening distress. And then it says he prays, he cries out to God. And there's this line in there that said, "My, I think it's my prayers. I can't remember the exact word, but my prayers went into his very ears. And does God have ears? We don't know. But Psalm 18 says he had ears in that moment. And those ears received the distress cry of David's heart. And then it moved God and he bowed the heavens low and he comes and he rescues David. And then there's this line on the back end of Psalm 18 that says, he delivered me because he delighted in me and he brought me into broad places. And I read that at a time where I did not believe that. I did not believe that God delighted in me. I knew God delighted in people. I could say to you, God loves you. He delights in you. But to believe it in my heart, I was not there. And I will never forget when God gave me that that section of scripture and said, this is it. This is what you're reading until I tell you. Otherwise, that ended up being about an eight-month season of me reading that every day. 
And by the end of it, I come out of this medical crisis and I was like, whoa, not only did God deliver me, not only had the cords of death come upon me, not only, I mean, I lived that Psalm. I'm like, but then now God is delivering me because he delights in me. And I know he delights in me. And I can trace a lot in my life back to that one moment where I came out of all of that and realized I had lived all the different phases of this chapter and I got to make it to the good part, you know, that I didn't stop somewhere in there, but I got to make it to the good part where I, I literally tell people all the time, I'm God's favorite. I mean, you are too, but I feel every, most every day of my life, I feel like I'm God's favorite. I feel like I'm, I'm the daughter that's the apple of his eye. And a lot of that's because when I go back and look at my life, he's just been so faithful through all these moments. And I think it comes back to that scripture, that Psalm 18, he delivers us because he delights in us. And I'll just say too, that that is true for you. That is true for every person listening to this, that he genuinely delights in you. And he wants you to accept that and live that. He wants you to actually feel delighted in to the point where it changes you, where it shifts how you show up to the world, where it shifts how you sleep at night. You know, that confidence that comes in knowing that you have a dad that just thinks you are amazing because you do. And that is, that's the truth. He's trying to help us all understand. I don't think I've like studied that, like the way that you just broke it down. And that is so true. I don't know. Like I'm sure there are other listeners out there like me that have struggles with their own earthly father. And like, Going through, for me, it was years of therapy and getting with God and like learning who he is and who he actually loves me to be and how he sees me and like knowing that, yes, I am loved like a hundred percent and there's nothing I can do that's going to make him unlove me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, even the parts that like, I love all of myself now, but there was parts that I did not love and I was ashamed of and he loves those parts too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. That's my prayer for everybody that we would all be able to experience that because it's, it, I think when you haven't experienced that, and I spent a lot of my life not knowing that love, you look at other people who have it and you just feel like there's just something special about them that God has revealed it to them. And I don't think it's that at all. It's that we've, we've made the choice exactly like you said, to go to that hard place, to forgive our dad's to work through it so that we could make the space in our heart to receive God as our father. And it's not easy. It might be one of the hardest things you ever do in your life, but if you have the guts to try, you're going to encounter God as the good father. And I mean, I could preach all day long, every day, just about that. It's so incredible. Yeah, it really is. Like, yes, you have to have that space. Just like you said, having that space to like, allow God to be there. And I will say, I was talking to this other girl and she was saying how like, she's been going through like deep work with God for the last five years. And I was doing it for six years. And I was like, I hope your journey is a lot less than mine. But once you start going through there, it is the hardest thing you will ever do. But once you get to the other side, it is the most worth it ever. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So as we're wrapping up, You've got a book that's out and it's, it is amazing. What else can people, how can people get to know you? Do you have a freebie? Do you want to offer anything? How can people know you better and love you? Yeah. 
Okay. So Instagram is the place I'm the most active at Rachel Wortman there. And I usually do, I try to do daily reels that are devotionals. Some days I don't, (laughs) but I try to get them every day. We're batting like 70%. So that's a great place to connect. I'm very active in my DMs there too. Like if people are looking for prayer or want to ask questions or whatever, send them. That's a great place to come. And then also I have a, a freebie on hearing God's voice that is on my website, rachelwartman.com. And it's just a couple tips on hearing God's voice better because I know a lot of us want that. We want to grow in that space. And so, yeah, so that's a great place to go as well, rachelwartman.com. I do have a, a previous podcast. It's over now. I'm getting ready to launch a new one in, in 2024, but it's called The Art of Being You. And there are 160 some episodes on there talking all about personal development and people love that like there's they still find it and they're going through it I'm like hey that's that's awesome so it's over but there's plenty of content there if you feel stirred in the kind of stuff I'm talking about it's definitely there Rachel this has been like a blast thank you so much for coming on thank you for sharing all the things thank you so much Thank you for having me. This has been a really good conversation. I appreciate it. Wow, that was so good. So I know that you know somebody that also needs to hear that. So share this episode, leave a review. And I would love if you could watch my free workshop at JeanettePeterson.com slash missing piece. I'll see you guys over on the grams at Jeanette.Peterson. Bye.